back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. It's the best half of the show on Friday, and we have a quick update from the skate. Zach Benson and Devin Levi, who were not on the ice today, are dealing with lower body injuries. The team has announced both are day-to-day, and they were given rest to obviously see how quickly they recover. So we'll see how it all plays out tomorrow. And, of course, the Amherst are in action tonight, looking for a sweep in Laval before returning home next Wednesday. So we'll keep you up to date on that, obviously, through our social channels over the course of the weekend. Shana Goldman from The Athletic is with us for, for her Friday installment on the eve of the return of black and red. So will this be the magic ingredient to get the Sabres ship righted in this young season, Shana? Yes, because hockey is tracked on vibes alone. I say forget the numbers. Um, People like me actually aren't that relevant in hockey. We're all about vibes. And the vibes of the black and red are so, so, so elite that, yes, that is the most important thing here. Okay, so here's my issue with that, is that the vibe for the Sabres have been off this year in the first four games compared to last year. So I know sometimes you got to forget about the numbers, but what – like. I trying to explain in my broken Franklish that <laughs> they're not creating enough at five on five, but they're actually not giving up much at five on five either. What's happening last year was like three goals expected for and 2.9 expected against this year. It's like one seven to one six. Like what's the, what's the, the real issue here? Not creating enough or giving up too much on the, on the lesser chances. Yeah, it's it's definitely not as bad defensively as I guess we would anticipate the Sabres to be coming off of last year. You look at it, and they are allowing a lot of shots against, but not all shots are created equally, and that's so important to remember because they're doing a better job at, you know, protecting the quality areas than they have, you know, in recent history. So that's that's a big step forward for them. You know, obviously it's not ideal to allow a high rate of shots against, but if you, you know, if you can keep the opponents to the perimeter, that's something. The problem is they're not matching that with their offense. That is the biggest problem right now. Their expected goal generation at five on five is among the worst in the league. So that's something that they absolutely have to work on. They have to get more to the slot area a little bit more consistently. They have the finishing talent. We know that they do in their top six, but they need to just keep creating chances and more sustained pressure at five on five. And even on the power play, it feels like their chances are too far from the outside so far. Yeah, it was improved last night, obviously, when they broke through on their 11th power play of the season and got their first goal, but they couldn't follow it up with a second one, despite some excellent chances and opportunities that were presented. And if you were, you know, for anyone just joining the show right now, uh, the Sabres did mix up the lines pretty significantly at practice today. So we'll see how much uh, carryover there is. And some of it will obviously pertain to the health of Zach Benson, who, again, was sitting out today with Devin Levi with lower body injuries. So, um, Shana, in your quick opinion uh, from the coaching chair, is this the right time to do a little mix-up of the forward configurations based on the one and three start? It's not a bad time. It's not like the Sabres came into the year with completely and totally new line combinations, right? This is, for the most part, I feel like they had a good base that they were building off of from last year. So if they need to change it up, they can change it up. Do I love how they change it up? Not quite. Do I think Tate Thompson and Dylan Cousins should be on the same line? Probably not. Um, I think that is like mistake number one, but I don't mind seeing someone like Jordan Greenway, you know, move up. 
I don't think he's the most offensive spark, but I did like what we saw from him, especially in that game against uh, Tampa Bay and against the Islanders too. Like they were grinding away and helping sustain pressure. And if he can be someone that can just retrieve pucks and keep dishing them out to Tage Thompson, like that's, that's a pretty good role for him to have. I do like the idea of that four checking third line, you know, but they had a really rough game against the Flames. So it makes sense to switch that up a bit. What about the D pairings Um, in training camp? We saw, Darlene with Clifton and then they played two preseason games and then it was, oh, this doesn't look like this is, is working now. Maybe it will work later, but not, you know, we'll put back Samuelson, which I thought, by the way, big positive. Samuelson had a monster of a game last night. I don't know. And I didn't look in his numbers, but just by the eye test, a monster of a game for Matias Samuelson. Um, but is there something when you look at that group of six that needs to happen for this offense? To, 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 I don't want to say wake up, but to just take that step forward. Yeah, I, I like Matias Samuelson back with Darlene. I think that they're a really complimentary pairing. We know that they know each other so well. They know each other's tendencies, and it feels like in their minutes together, the team generally is doing the right things. And I think he gives Darlene the freedom to to thrive. And I think already we're seeing it like his zone entry denial is really standing out for me with Darlene. Um, I think the power Yokiharu pairing is the one that kind of stands out to me as a tricky one because now you're putting Clifton and Johnson together as a third pair and that's a very defensively minded third pair but I think you're taking away dimension from that bottom four by pairing them up together and I think the defense needs to be a good spark so you don't want it for you know 20 minutes let's say of Clifton Johnson that there isn't much you know being they're not breaking the puck out of their own zone with possession those are two players that are really good at bringing qualities that the Sabres were missing last year in the defensive areas, but mm-hmm. they are two players that don't thread the needle enough offensively for me. So I feel like those are going to be minutes that are going to be a little bit trickier, especially, you know, if the forwards aren't the ones pushing play along a little bit more proactively. Dozen games last night, just two tonight and obviously busy weekend ahead. So let's dive in kind of rapid fire on everything going on around the NHL. That's catching your eye. Um, everyone going to hate me if I start with Vegas. My goodness, this is unreal. Like, what a machine. It's so impressive to watch, isn't it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's nice to see Jack Eichel thriving, honestly. I think he had so many expectations when he went to Vegas in the first place. And to see him healthy now. We saw him healthy down the stretch last year. And to be back at full speed, crushing it. Guys like Jonathan Marcheseau are still excellent. And it just feels like that's a team that, even though they have made subtractions over the last couple of years, they're somehow working out better in ways which you wouldn't anticipate, right? And to have someone like Shea Theodore as your number two defenseman step up when Alex Petrangelo is out, that is a gift. That is an absolute gift. I feel like Shea Theodore honestly is underutilized there a little bit because of the Petrangelo signing. So it's nice to see him have his moment. Two goalies uh, looking good too, Marty, there. Oh, uh, no, two goalies. I was just going to say there's 27 teams that have used two goalies. There's five teams that have not. So the Sabres are one of them, but the mm-hmm. Vegas Golden Knights have used two. Uh, but the, the where I wanted to focus around the league is the Carolina Hurricanes, who lost Freddie Anderson with a shot in the head yeah. against San Jose the other night. Um, they lost to Seattle 7-4, I believe it was, last night. They didn't look good against San Jose. They had to come back in the third period. Um, is Dude, that they an barely issue? won against L.A. after blowing yeah, yeah, a exactly. lead and then a marathon shootout. They've been the most Even the wildly... game against the Ducks. Yes. Great. So <laughs> yeah. is that the most concerning like of the teams that were supposed to be cup contenders, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and their start? Even though they're three and two? Yeah, I feel like their game's going to stabilize because it always does. I feel like they have one of the smartest coaching staffs in the league. They have, you know, this 
a foolproof system that they know how to maximize everyone. It just feels like they need things to start clicking a little bit more and consistently, right? It's not a 60 minute effort right now. And I'm sure that they're not happy with it, but I'm sure for them, they're looking at bright spots like Teravine and stepping up in a top six role. He's picking up the pace scoring after last year, I think was one of his worst years yet. And there were big questions on whether he could even manage playing those kinds of minutes. So to have that, I'm sure it helps, but that's a team that definitely has to clean it up. And I'm, you know, I'm guessing on home ice, maybe that'll give them the chance to do it. Will history show that the acquisition of Georgiev by Colorado will go down as one of the cheapest upgrades to a goaltender position any franchise has ever handled? Because <laughs> last year, he and Allmark were the only two 40 win guys. And incredibly, he's the first ever Avalanche goaltender to start a year. 4-0. He, yeah. There were two in franchise history in uh, Fisset or Fisset. Where did you Stephane lie on that, Fisset. Marty? Stephane yes, Fisset. I did too, and then they would always go back and forth. And your guy, Ron Hextall, when they were Nordiques. But Colorado and their 4-0 start and Georgiev's performance, pretty damn impressive. I think the most important thing is Colorado recognized where they do and don't need to, you know, focus their assets. And for them, that's cap space. They have so much invested in their core, which I think is the right way to build the team. But you need to know where you can pull back a little bit and in goal it is because they're such a great possession team that they don't force their goalie to have to be the difference maker every single night. We saw it, you know, can a team win with average goaltending? We're seeing it with the Golden Knights. They're a team that can do it. The Avalanche are a team that can do it. But you have to be built a certain way, and they're that. So it felt like they really found a great option in Georgiev there. And he was such a diamond in the rough. It felt like when he joined the Rangers, and you know we know the magic of Benoit Lair, so it looks like he really helped develop his game along that it, it benefits the Avalanche incredibly right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt the magic of Benny uh, because my first year, my second year, I think, with the Rangers – um, I had the best numbers I've had in a long time as a backup. Still, I didn't play, but it just was the Rangers towards the system and Benny Allaire, which I had known for years. He's awesome. He's one of the best goalie guru out there. Um, Shayna, does training camp and preseason games matter? And the reason I'm saying that is because we both talked about Vegas, talked about Colorado. I We watched them in preseason. They were awesome. But there's other teams that they they, they look like flat in preseason and they start the, the season flat. So is preseason games matter because we see a lot of teams not really putting too much stock in them. I feel like preseason games should matter more because it's a good opportunity to figure out who's going to make the team who can, you know, crack the lineup. It's, it's great for that. I just think preseason's too long. So I have like a very low taste for it. I feel like we could see a three season, a three game preseason. I think that'd be a lot better. First two games work out the kinks of your lineup. Third game roll through with everyone. Um, I try not to put too much stock in it. I don't know how much everyone else does. Maybe everyone's tired going into the regular season. It's probably the most beneficial for a team with a new coach, right? Because mm-hmm. you get a chance to work out the new systems that they're trying to implement in-game action. But even then, you know, some coaches don't even start working on special teams for two months or something. So it, it's 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 such a toss-up. Who's been putting it together or keeping it together uh, best, in your opinion, here in the early season? Um. Tough one there. I think Colorado. Like I look at Florida for all their turmoil injury wise. It's like they made all these transactions and just tried to backfill at all positions. You know what? They look like they're selling out and doing everything possible to, to stay on that path that they were on last year. 
I'm struggling with Florida. Um, I, 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 I really am. I, I was looking at their numbers ahead of their game against the Leafs, and I'm so underwhelmed by their blue line. And like, I think oh, we're all prepared to be right, but I just think with Ekman Larson, they're going to have problems, and it's not fully his fault. I feel I, I tweeted something, and some people kind of jumped at me, like, "Well, what do you think?" Like, it's, it's not that I'm not faulting him as much. I'm faulting the team for putting him in a position that he's in. He's someone that just can't be playing against top competition and playing 25 minutes a night. It just he's not built for it at this point in his career. And if you want to maximize someone, that's not the role for them to be in. And obviously, you know, they only have so many options, but his numbers are the biggest concern to me, although it works on the power play, but we see, you know, players like Evan Rodriguez just crushing it there. Shot volume machine, scoring chance machine right now at even strength and on the power play. And it helps to play with guys like Sam Reinhardt and Barkoff at even strength. But like he is total standout. But I, I think I put someone like Vegas in the top category. Of course, they're the ones putting it together the most and someone like Colorado, even though they don't have all the wins, you know, like some of them feels like are a little bit tougher to come by. I feel like they're putting it together that they're just going to start steamrolling teams. Are the Arizona Coyotes making the playoffs? They're two and two, four games on the road. They came out east. Uh, they beat St. Louis last night and they are two losses with a 2-1 loss to the Rangers and a one nothing loss to the Islanders. Are the Arizona Coyotes finally turning a corner? I think they're turning a corner. I don't think they're a playoff team yet, but I think that they're going to be better than we all expected. You know, you look at some of the veteran presence on that roster, Jason Zucker and Matt Dumba, like those are very productive players. I question if they will even be there post deadline though, because it wouldn't surprise me if the Coyotes go, this progress was, was nice, but we have to keep the bigger picture in mind here, kind of similar to Detroit last year. Mm -hmm. But you look at the talent that they already have established right there. And that's, Keller and Schmaltz, and they're excellent. And I really do like Karel Vamelka as well. And then you look at the new talent and you look at the guys like Logan Cooley and Michelli from last year. Michelli, uh, you know, his biggest problem is he doesn't shoot the puck enough, but he is an excellent playmaker. You know, you're getting the pop that you need from those players and players like Jersey and Moser, like they're doing really well. And Jersey for me was a little bit of a toss up going into the year because it felt like when the Kings started to give him more minutes that it looked like he earned, he was a little bit overwhelmed by them, but I'm impressed with him in the early going so far. Less than a minute to go, best team in the Atlantic. Boston, Ottawa, or Detroit? The Bruins have not yet lost, but the Sens and the Wings have each won three out of four and are scoring a boatload. Uh, probably the Senators right now. I feel like they have it together in all facets. While I think that there's some more work to be done in Detroit. Like you look at that second line with Cop, and they're scoring a ton, but the numbers are pretty dreadful below the surface. I do like how they've formulated their lines. I think they're finally playing to their strengths with the speed game, but I think Ottawa has the edge there, but it makes Saturday's game all the more exciting, right? Uh, way more exciting. Absolutely. Uh, is Boston, can Boston keep up what they're doing right now? Like, I know they're 3-0, but... They don't give know, up anything. Four goals. They, they, they don't give up much. Yeah, it's Swayman and Allmark, and, you know, they just shut the door. But can they keep it up that way? At this rate, I'm not so sure, but I am interested to see how the defense is tripping in more to facilitate offense because they're missing so much down the middle. They are lucky to have some players, like, stepping up you know, in these roles down the middle, but you already you see the Charlie Coyle experiment has failed, which is unsurprising. He didn't shake it in the top six there before. I think that they need to get one play. I think they need one strong center for their top nine, you know, and then maybe they'll slot players more appropriately. But I think that they're going to be a playoff team. Like the bar was so far for them to fall, even with two huge absences, right? Yeah. Shane is already looking forward to Detroit, Ottawa at one tomorrow and undoubtedly to Buffalo in black and red at seven against the Islanders. Shana, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're back after this on Sabres Live.